Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You know, the, the political changes that have happened in several of these states um, will be terrible for kids, not just for um, kids of the indigenous nation, not just for kids who are black and brown. It will be terrible for all kids because we need to understand our history, the good and the bad. And frankly, when we understand the bad, it makes the good so much more. That's Randy Weingarten, who wanted to keep your kids out of school for forever, saying that education for politics is, quote, terrible for all kids. Hang on, a little applause. AJ, a little help here, a little something. There it is. There it is. Finally, we agree on something. <laughs> With Randy Weingarten. It is hard to believe we live on the same planet. Using education for politics is a term is terrible for all kids. No crap. That's why we've been opposed to it. We get opposed to it. And you're like, what's with the culture war? Oh, you are so twisted. Oh, Tony, why do you like bourbon? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. Would love your phone calls. Happy to talk to you. 833-GOT-TONY. Yes, using education for politics is terrible for all. Also, terrible for all, Skittles. Now, allow me. The candy Skittles are disgusting. We're not going to debate what is a fact. Skittles are disgusting. You're a little bit racist. Well, I don't know if you go uh, that, that far, but they are awful. People who like Skittles, chances are very, very poor lovers. That's, that is, look, I don't have any scientific data. I'm just willing to bet money on that. I'm willing to bet money on that, that if you're somebody who, who, who likes the Skittle, uh, chances are uh, you're, you're very bad in bed and also selfish. These are my two guesses. But I don't, I don't find myself in relationships with, uh, with uh, people who like Skittles. I, I, I don't do it. Like, like take, take AJ, producer AJ today. Uh, he doesn't like Skittles. AJ, do you like Skittles? No. Uh, wait, well, hold on. Sour Skittles. The? No. What the hell's a sour Skittle? It just has like a sour coating on a normal Skittle. But his whole place sucks. Okay, then yeah. Then no. Uh, right, not a big fan sucks. of Skittles. Yeah, Skittles are terrible. Shame on you. They're awful. The only thing worse than a Skittle is a Tootsie Roll. You've heard me have this conversation. Tootsie Rolls are devil scat. Tootsie Rolls are absolute pure evil from beginning to end. And anybody, honestly, 
Skittles, I already told you, bad lovers. People who, who like Tootsie Rolls, uh, I wouldn't even let them in my house. Wouldn't let them in my house. It stinks. That it does. That it does. Skittles has, uh, has got themselves a, a new bag. A bag of share size Skittles. And the bag has like this rainbow on it. And it's got these kids, but you look closer and the, the kids are, um, well, they're, they're, they're not just boys and girls, are they? It's cartoon characters. No, no, it's, is it boys who think they're girls? Girls who think they're boys? Is that a drag queen? All I know is there's a, there's like a ramp. There's like a ramp and someone has uh, spray painted on it. Joy is resistance. Okay. Clearly the message you want to push to children about uh, 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 with candy. Totally. And then the other message is black trans lives matter. Clearly no one at Skittles got the Bud Light memo. This is not what you do with candy. Now, the fact that I think Skittles is garbage is inconsequential to the fact that you might like Skittles. Guy on Twitter wants to know, well, what about Starburst? Uh, Starburst um, is not my kind of candy. For me, candy equals chocolate. Uh, But I'm okay with Starburst because it's not lying to you what it's about. The Skittle looks like an M&M. And you reach your hand in and you're like, my God, this is going to be delicious. Just a fistful of chocolate. And then it's this fruit disgustingness. And you're like, dear Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? Skittles didn't get the memo. They didn't get the Bud Light memo. It's candy. Just be in the candy business. Don't have anything else you want to lecture to us about. If, if if you listen to uh, my cigar and bourbon show, Eat, Drink, Smoke, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, we, we got into great detail about uh, Bud Light on the show. And we don't really get political on the show, but, but this was, it was important to break this down as Bud Light has lost its mantle, the best-selling beer, as uh, InBev, Anheuser-Busch, has sold off, I think it's now eight of their brands, Breckenridge and Shock Top, they sold them off. This has been unbelievably damaging, this boycott. And what's amazing is is that it worked. Well, a boycott is very, very easy to do when it requires no actual work from the person doing the boycotting. The Bud Light boycott stated, you don't have to change anything about your life or your routine. You don't have to put up a sign you don't have to get yourself a tattoo. You don't have to go down to a rally. You don't have to do anything. As a matter of fact, do everything exactly as you've always done it. It's just that when you go to the liquor store to get your beer for the weekend, instead of picking up Bud Light, pick up anything besides Bud Light. And people said, well, I can pick up anything besides Bud Light. Wait, wait. You mean I pick up Coors Light and, I, and I'm I'm cool? I'm the good guy. I'm making a statement. It's still beer, right? It's still beer I get to drink with my friends. All I have to do is pick up that thing right there. I got to pick up the silver container, not the blue container. Well, what if I pick up the Miller Lite container? You mean if I pick up that, it's totally fine? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's all you got to do. Huh. All right. And they picked it up and they took it home. And that's how Bud Light lost its groove. Because they forgot their business. It's not that as a company, they couldn't have had their own theories, their own philosophies, given to this group or done that. It's that as a beer, as a product, they decided that their audience was the problem and their audience needed a lecture. They decided to hate their audience. Lecture to their audience and force their audience into a conversation that their audience was drinking the beer not to get into, but to proactively forget. What what a hateful thing to do. The Skittles audience is children. Now, maybe Skittles feels that they can do this because really parents aren't buying the Skittles for the kids. Kids are buying Skittles when they're out somewhere. And this is how uh, the kids uh, like to be treated. But let's argue that there are some adults out there who buy Skittles for their kids. Is this the Skittle you buy? Let's argue that there are stores out there that put the Skittles front and center. Is this now the plan? This is crazy town. It's crazy town to take this risk with your business. Why do it? What do you gain from it? And the answer is they must gain something. In the end, this is a money conversation. Somewhere along the line, somewhere they make money from this. This takes us back to that conversation about ESG, environmental social governance. Let me go to the Washington Examiner from last week. The Standard & Poor's dropped the ESG scale from its debt ratings. So the Standard & Poor's Global no longer includes environmental, social, and corporate governance scores in its debt ratings. So this is the score of, well, you have a board of directors, and how many people are black? And how many women, how many are gay, how many trans, how many, hmm, that's not enough. Ooh, uh, your score goes down. And if your score isn't up to snuff, well, how are you going to get a loan? You have to have the right score in order to get a loan. You do want to get a loan, don't you? You do want to have us invest in your business. You do want us to buy your stock, don't you? Hmm? It isn't about how the stock performs. It's about how the stock performs. You you get my point? The performance of the stock is based on the kabuki theater put on by the board of directors, not on the result of the dollars that come back to the investors. That's ESG. And the people who have been promoting ESG have been frauds since day one. And the people fighting this have been right, especially when it comes to pension plans, for example, public employees. The pension plans, you the investments, have to be focused on the best return for these employees, not the best wokeness for these employees. Wokeness will not pay my mortgage. Returns will. 
what the S&P said is, quote, we have determined that the dedicated and analytical narrative paragraphs in our credit rating reports are most effective at providing detail and transparency on ESG credit factor material to our rating analysis. Wow. That is a whole host of nonsense. They used to rate things on a one to five scale. That's all. That was a lot of words to say. Uh, we're going to pretend we're still doing this, but you and I both know we ain't doing this anymore. You and I both know we ain't doing this. Now, SAP website will show you the ESG advantage. ESG analysis considers an entity's interactions with the natural world and society, along with the quality of its governance. S&P Global Ratings believes ESG analysis provides a holistic view of potential areas of environmental and social risk and opportunities for companies in rapidly evolving markets. These are the same people who want to lecture to you uh, about uh, Pride Month, but also do work in Saudi Arabia. But to you, they lecture. For you, their Twitter feed has a big rainbow flag. For Saudi Arabia, no rainbow flag. They're really committed. They're really brave. The more we realize that the effort is ideological radicalness and not rationality, the better off we'll be. And the more that we create damage for the companies that do this, the better. The Skittles conversation is an easy one to fix the skittles conversation is easy you can buy any other candy hell you can buy good candy but skittles teaching kids never mind black trans lives matter i don't even know what to say to that joy is resistance this is what you want to sell to our kids nah now, there's other candy out there. We'll go find it. You know, real candy, like a Kit Kat. Now, maybe they're the same company, and I don't even know it, but Kit Kats are delicious. Or a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, because that's perfect. We've got options. We'll find it. Skittles, you were never it, and all you did was prove it. I'm Tony Katz. This deal with Iran and the $6 billion, are we going to pretend like this wasn't a payoff? This wasn't negotiating with terrorists? I mean, I guess it it depends on how you say it. I guess the negotiating with terrorists part is a little more, it's a little more on the nose. You had a deal created between the United States and Iran through President Biden. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. There you would have the release of five American hostages from Iran. This for a a group of of Iranian nationals that are serving prison sentences for violating sanctions against the Islamic Republic. Now, one could argue well, that doesn't mean that they're violent people. One should question, well, if they're violating the sanctions, what are they doing with the money, etc. But in addition, $6 billion, approximately $6 billion worth of uh, Iranian assets 
in South Korea would be unfrozen. Six billion dollars worth of Iranian assets? I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do with that information. Why, Why would there be any money released to Iran when you know that money is going to be used for causes of terrorism? That's what Iran does. So why would you release $6 billion to them? Why did that become part of the conversation? And people are asking that question, rightfully so. This doesn't seem to make any sense. If the objective of the sanctions is to break Iran economically, you break them. You don't release $6 billion to them. As uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo put it, Iran should not profit from holding American hostages. This is a question of whether or not the Biden administration knows how to make a deal. And we should be clear uh, that the Biden administration doesn't know anything about deals. But being uh, very loving of Iran is a very Barack Obama kind of thing to do. Obama was a lover of Iran, at least in action. Maybe not on a personal level, maybe on a personal level, his actions clearly stated so. It was Israel that was the problem and Iran that needed the support. Israel was the issue and Iran needed the soft touch. Soft touch to the Mullers, to the hardliners and the clerics? That's pretty twisted. Then again, so is Barack Obama. An absolute horror story when it comes to um, foreign policy. This deal is got brushed under the rug. This deal didn't get talked about. This deal is ugly. Do I want Americans back? Yes, I do. There could be a multiplicity of reasons why they were in Iran, a multiplicity of reasons why they're taken. Um, but I want Americans back. Six billion dollars. When we see more issues, we'll know why they came. Meanwhile, in Hawaii, in Maui, uh, the death count is at 96 and growing. And as we were discussing, and I'll get more into it, we're not getting full story. A lot of people saying we're not getting the full story. You're not getting the full reporting. We're not saying how many people are dead. Well, there was a whole conversation of did a uh, siren system not work at all? Like it didn't even go off. That was going to warn people. And then, of course, you have the people who want to scream that it's just proof of global warming. Man, you have 96 people who are dead, and you know that number could very well double. Double. And you've got politicos and others who who want this. All they want is is to remind you of how horrible you are to the environment and how how their ideology rules every part of who they are. It's twisted. It's twisted. I will have uh, that. Uh, Plus, uh, the Colts played their first uh, preseason game. 
Why is everybody getting on on uh, Anthony Richardson's case? And John Green, the author, don't be flipping glib, which he corrected. I'll explain. I'm Tony Katz. Buffalo Bills 23, the Indianapolis Colts 19. It's preseason, people. It doesn't matter that much, does it? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. Uh, That's the score. But all I can get people to talk about, the only thing people are mentioning about this Colts loss, oh, Anthony Richardson threw an interception. Peyton Manning in his freshman season threw 90 billion interceptions. What are we talking about here? Why is the objective of all the sports guys to figure out how they can crap on this dude as much as possible? JMV joins us from 93.5107.5 The Fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, before we get into the play of specifically Anthony Richardson, you were looking at a lot of things in this preseason game. You wanted to see how that offensive line was going to do. You were looking at some secondary work. Your overall takeaway of the Indianapolis Colts under Coach Shane Steichen from one game. Well, I'm not trying to crap on everything here, Tony, but I felt that it was kind of what I expected um, all the way around. I mean, there wasn't anything spectacular, but there wasn't anything, I don't think, Tony, out of the ordinary where you'd go, oh, man, this is just kind of beginning the early stages, if you will, of what I believe this type of season is going to be. And starting with the quarterback, too. With Anthony Richardson, you go back to making that bad decision, getting picked off of his own territory. But let's face it, Tony, it's not like he got some great starting position every time he got it in that first quarter. And the other thing that you're looking for is the fact that I thought that he, as the game went on, especially in that first quarter, that he got more comfortable. You know, he had a ball he threw to Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce has kind of pulled that in. That's something that – you know, at times a year ago, we saw that in week one with Alec Pierce against Houston. That could have been, it was the difference in winning that game and losing or tying that game, if you will. So those are things that I was looking at. But with Anthony Richardson in mind, I looked at this. I thought that he came about and started to really get comfortable with the situation after that, that early game uh, interception that he threw right there. So I, I guess that's what I would start right there. It's kind of what I expected, Tony. That's not a great answer, but what I expected. But I, but I think that's accurate. I think it is yeah. what you expected. I think that that what you end up with from this team after the first game is all right. They were able to throw okay. They were able to have some guys uh, engage uh, some receptions. Malik Turner, four receptions for 48 yards. Josh Downs, two uh, for 29 yards. You got the practice. You got him out there. Uh, but you said specifically you were going to look at that offensive line. Can these people block? Well, they did, and we'll see if Tony Sperano Jr. is going to be a big difference in the starters. Now, the one problem, I think, overall else, Tony, that you got out of that game is the depth. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, this has supposedly been, you know, something Chris Ballard has been after since he's been here, going into year number seven right now, is having significant offensive line depth. And that's not always been there, and it doesn't look like it's going to be there now. But you can talk about the starting unit, which was awful a year ago. And, Tony, that started in Buffalo. In that first preseason game, they started out awful and remained awful throughout the season. They looked a lot more cohesive as a unit, at least in that preseason game, number one. So that was a good thing. I thought overall, Anthony Richardson and the team effort is exactly what we had uh, thought we were going to get. 
but you can't have your high dollar free agency pickup kicker Matt Gay miss from 28. You can't have that whatsoever. So those are a lot of things that stood out to me in that game on Saturday, Tony. Talking to JMV from 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Uh, one thing we did get uh, from uh, that game that's very, very important. Jake Funk, seven carries, 13 yards, one touchdown. Did I or did I not say we need this guy on this team so we can have that song playing? You did. You know what else you saw? You saw actually an offensive line that opened up a gaping hole for we want the funk to run through. And I thought of you whenever he did that. I thought, you know, Tony Katz is going to be really happy wherever he's watching this game right now because there's Jake Funk. So, yes, that had to be the high point, the high moment of what you had witnessed on that afternoon game in Buffalo. So good me, for you and good for Jake Funk, certainly. Good, Yeah, I, I am all about the Funk. Uh, you're Shane Steichen. This team is not necessarily what you thought you were going to in, inherit. Um, certainly people like uh, Matt Ryan can tell you all about that. And part of that is because you've got um, – Jonathan Taylor, not around. Uh, the, the contract issues, the injury, he's supposed to be back this week. What is the update on Jonathan Taylor? He's going to be back at practice, at least according to Shane Steichen, uh, this week. But I'm assuming that he's going to be standing around and observing as he has. I don't think that any progress has been made on this. So let's get to this point right now, Tony. Um, it, it is evident to me, as it should be, I think, to everybody, that, man, this is so necessary to have him. You just think about the good things and then the bad things we saw on a rookie quarterback. Think about the offensive line. And then think about how much better it would be if your number one offensive weapon, and if you go back the year prior, or a year before last, I should say, how big of a deal he was at running back and how much he could help this situation evolve and evolve for the better. I, for the life of me, Either side should just kind of come together and say, okay, we need you. Okay, I need you. And then work out something for the betterment of this squad. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But I thought it was incredibly obvious on Saturday just how necessary he is going to be. A healthy year-before-last version of Jonathan Taylor. Unfortunately, I think that's a pipe dream right now, a fairy tale, and I don't look for it in the near future. And again, that's unfortunate because this team needs it and Jonathan Taylor needs this team given the situation. But you said when we last spoke that mm -hmm. I, you think the odds might be that he's in a different uniform. Let's put some numbers to it. What are the odds that when uh, the season starts, Jonathan Taylor does not wear a Colts uniform? Um, I think it's a lot higher um, than I thought, which was zero. I thought there was no way in the world. I thought Jim Mercy was going to stand by what he had said and that Jonathan Taylor, regardless, was going to be in a Colts uniform. But at some point, I think now you're going to have to make some sort of decision, even if you have to double back on what you had initially said. I don't see anything around it here. I, I just I can't see him right now. And, again, we get different feelings because you get – different rumored reports, Tony, and then you see the body language when he's actually back out there at camp like you did when he was out there at camp previously, and it kind of leads you down the path of wondering if what you're thinking right now is accurate, and 
I just don't know how the Colts don't move on this situation. Let's just say he feels like, hey, you know, I'm not 100%, so I'm not going to get back out there and I'm not going to play. We'll call it what it is. I mean, this is a sit-in, all right, or hold-in, if you will. He is just kind of, you know, waiting, I would guess, with his representation uh, to go back whenever he feels the time is necessary, thus he's going to get paid. That doesn't mean he's going to play at all to me, but he wants to make sure that he gets paid and they are in such a situation right now, I, I, it's hard for me to believe the two sides are going to come together in a situation in which would benefit Colts fans. And to benefit Colts fans, it's Jonathan Taylor playing the final year of his contract. Uh, and I just don't see that happening. So I think one thing is going to have to be done. And if they have to double back and trade him, uh, like I mentioned early on, I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, my thought process has changed on that a little bit because, again, something's going to have to be done, and that may end up, Tony, being the something that needs to be done. Talking with JMV from 93.5107.5, the fan in in Indianapolis, the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, let's talk basketball. And this is the 76ers and, uh, and James Harden. Um, Harden has been, going back to his days in Houston, an impossible teammate. The issue wasn't uh, the the Houston Rockets. The issue wasn't uh, the the Brooklyn Nets, although it could have been the Brooklyn Nets. The issue is not the 76ers. The issue is James Harden. I say it. I mean it. I don't apologize uh, for it. Now James Harden is doing some tour in China with the NBA, and he's going after the... Um, the head of uh, basketball operations at, for the 76ers, Daryl Morey, yeah. calling him a liar, saying that he will never be a part of an organization that Daryl Morey is a part of. He's doing this in China. It's Daryl Morey who had stood up for the Hong Kongers when they were engaged in protest against mainland China, against the Communist Chinese Party. And it was the NBA, including LeBron James and others, that went after him, that he needs to get educated, attacked him just just brutally. The NBA did not show a lot of class uh, in, in this one. But now you have this. What is James Harden's damage? And why why is there no trade opportunity with him for the Lakers or anybody else? Well, because the Sixers just don't want to give him away. I mean, that's the situation. They don't want to give him away, so clearly they did not get uh, from their conversations they were having trying to trade him anything that they, they thought was good in return. And this is what James Harden is doing right now, is playing that ultimate card. All right, so how am I going to go back there? I just said what I said about the guy that runs the organization. So now you guys really are going to be put on the spot and have to trade me, and therein lies the difference, Tony between the NFL and the NBA, the petulant children in the NBA, if you want to act like that, can end up getting what they want. They can fold their arms and pout and stomp their feet and end up getting what they want. And the NFL, if you do that in terms of Jonathan Taylor, because of, you know, the players union and how things are contractually obligated, they don't always get, oftentimes they don't get, what they want, especially the running back position. So therein lies certainly a difference right there. I would guess at some point James Harden is going to end up getting what he wants and traded out of Philadelphia. But you're right, it's been every stop since Oklahoma City and his start. It's been Houston. 
it has been Brooklyn, and it's always this greener pasture thing. Wanted out of Brooklyn, went to Philadelphia, can't get along there. For the life of me, I don't know why other teams would even want to bring him on because you know the shelf life is going to be short. You know you're not going to end up winning anything, and you know that there's just going to be trouble at the tail end. So with that amount of money and what he represents right now, as far as his game is concerned in the NBA, overall, I don't know why anybody would want to mess with it because it just absolutely wears you out, Tony, and you know what's coming. And that's just it. Why doesn't the NBA do anything uh, about it? But then again, this is the same NBA who lets people like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr lose their minds politically. The fact that I disagree with them isn't the, the issue here. It's that they're allowed to engage in stuff that's clearly divisive with reckless abandon. Tony, the NBA players have power. You know, the NFL players would love to have just a little bit of the type of power that the NBA players have. Quarterbacks in the NFL have some of that power, but certainly not anybody else. And there, again, is the huge difference. It's a player's league in the NBA. The players can basically do what they want. Uh, If they want out of town, they're going to get out of town. I mean, look at the Pacers. I mean, look. Victor Oladipo, Paul George, especially Oladipo, considering everybody thought that, you know, he's from IU and he gets it and he kind of led to a revitalizing year here. And what did it take? Like two years later when he wanted that as well. So you can never say never and always understand that in the NBA, Tony, the players are always going to have that final call. And in this case, that's what James Harden's trying to do with the Sixers. Yeah, but it's nice to see that I haven't heard thing one about Oladipo ever again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Tony, where's Victor Oladipo right now? Do you I, know? I have no idea. Oklahoma I have no City. idea. He, he honestly, Oklahoma he City. could be he could be washing my car for all I know. He could be making a hundred million dollars a year with a record contract for all I know. Well, and he's also suing somebody that was close to him that made a lot of his business decisions at the time when people around here suggested maybe he shouldn't have been with this particular person and listening to this person, you know, leading him down a bad path, and that ultimately what is has happened to him. Too bad, man. We see it a lot, don't we? We do, and we saw it in Oladipo around here. We said never never in the world will that happen. Just like we saw Jonathan Taylor. Never in the world could I see Jonathan Taylor acting like this and doing this and sitting out and maybe even not being injured but not playing. You can never say never around here. And again, Colts get the Bears coming up on Saturday. I think the last time we saw a Bears team in the preseason, right, remember that Andrew Luck game? We all kind of said never say never regarding Andrew Luck. So at that point in time, you got to kind of teach yourself you can never say never in terms of any of these stories around here. Because when you do, ultimately it happens. It's a weird thing, and it's a weird dynamic, Tony. JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Why can't I say Indianapolis? I live here. The voice of sports <laughs> in Indiana. JMV, always a pleasure. More is coming up. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today. It's bed bugs in Las Vegas. Ew, David. It's so gross. It's so... Bed bugs freak me out. I don't know about you. I'm not just when I walk into a, a hotel room, pulling off the sheets and checking. I check under the bed. I lift it up. I, I haven't found any surprises yet, but the fear is in me. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Uh, the story was from News Nation. Uh, the Southern Nevada Health District complaint: Circus, circus with the bed bugs. 
one of seven. They were notified of bed bugs in a room after a guest was bitten in January of 2022. Room was inspected, bed bugs were found, and so therefore it and nearby rooms were out of service for two weeks. It was a two-week treatment to kill off all the bed bugs. And then in June, there was another bed bug complaint from Circus Circus. That got treated. And six other properties. Are you ready? Caesar's Palace, Planet Hollywood, the Palazzo, Tropicana, MGM Grand, and the Sahara. Um, you know, that's a that's a mix of hotels. And the truth is, these things can happen. You stay on it, you stay focused, you do what you can to to deal with it. I'm not surprised that these things do happen. I am surprised that we continue to travel while these things happen. Everything's gross, and we continue to do it. Allow, allow me. Vegas, for, for, for many people, is, is the greatest place on, on, on planet Earth. There's nothing greater than going to Vegas. Yes, 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 yes. They want to gamble. There's the debauchery, um, all of it. And then there is the well-known underside of everything Vegas has to bring. You, you never mind the bed bugs. The level you really think you're going to hook up with somebody in Vegas and not end up with an STD? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Well, you should expect gonorrhea. And people still go. That's the biggest gamble they take. They're going to get bitten by a bed bug or something else and take something home with them. And they say, worth it. Let me put my money down. Oh, Vegas. You disgust me. I'll be back soon. I'm Tony Katz.